appreciate that. Good morning. Greetings from St. Louis. It is, uh, man, it's a joy to be here. I got to tell you, having the opportunity to spend time with Pastor Matt, Pastor Mike, um, you guys are blessed. I mean, you really are. They are two of the most genuine, uh, Jesus-loving dudes that I've had the pleasure of knowing. And their heart for not just what we're trying to see the Lord do in our city, but what is happening right here. It's so real. And it, it's, it's who they are. And they love you. They love this church. They love this town. And that's just been a joy for me to be able to spend some time with them, hearing their heart for this area. And just knowing that as we're talking about partnership, we're looking for folks that are willing to go all in on a group of people. And you have that in these two pastors uh, specifically. And so, man, what a blessing it is to be able to get to know these guys and spend time with them. Uh, we did have a little bit of trouble uh, getting here yesterday, uh, some connecting flight issues. Uh, I offered to jump in and say, hey, I can fly this thing. Just let me know what you need me to do. Uh, they politely declined to ask me to have a seat or they removed me, which was fine. That's okay. But uh, you know, it worked out. We got here. It was a little late, but we did get here. Uh, I do want to invite you uh, to open your Bibles if you have them with you today. If not, you can follow along in your app and uh, turn to the book of Acts or thumb to the book of Acts, whatever is easiest for you. And uh, we're going to get to this text in a little bit. What I want to do is kind of set up a few things for you um, so that this text will make sense for you uh, as we jump in uh, to our time together this morning. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to be. So again, my name is Mike Woodymore, and uh, I'm a church planting missionary with the North American Mission Board. So as a Southern Baptist Church, as you give your cooperative dollars and you are a part of the cooperative program, I want to thank you. Just, I just want to thank you sincerely uh, for giving generously to the cooperative program, knowing that it is through the CP that we are able to plant churches. And so the North American Mission Board, we plant 740 to 780 churches across North America every year. And that is an exciting reality that we all get to be a part of as Southern Baptist. And so thank you for being generous with that and helping me being able to be sent to where I am. Uh, I'm really excited to be here this morning. I've been looking forward to this for several months to get to know you and spend some time together to share my heart. Um, I'm excited about gospel partnership. That's one of the things I love about Southern Baptist life is people who are willing to get in the trenches with you to advance the gospel in an area where people need to know about Jesus. Amen? That is super exciting for me. See, Christ, he unites us as brothers and sisters, but it's so much more than that because he unites us as co-laborers as we make disciples. So there's a reality that while you make disciples right here in East Toboga, you're also making disciples in a whole other city with a whole other group of people just through gospel partnership. And that always fuels me. I love that. A little bit about me. Um, I've been married 15 and a half years. I'm 37, going to be 38 years old. Shocking, I know. Very young, handsome, dapper. I get it all the time. Uh, but 15 and a half years, I have four kids, four children. Uh, my oldest is 11 and my youngest is about to turn six. And so wish they could be here and look forward to bringing them down here at some point to spend some time with you guys. Uh, born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, which means one thing. I'm a Buckeye. That's right. This should be a safe place. I should be able to say stuff like that. I feel like you guys are still a little upset about 2015. Sugar Bowl wasn't easy. You know what I'm saying? 
But yeah, I'm, I'm a Buckeye fan. Uh, used to be a Cincinnati Bengals fan, uh, but that team has disappointed me the majority of my life and then moved to St. Louis where that NFL team just decides to leave. So we've been struggling to find professional sports in the football arena for a while. Um, but I've been serving Jesus in ministry for about 17 years now. It has been the joy of my life. And currently we live and where I hope to live out the remainder of my days in a city called Belleville, Illinois. Uh, and so for those of you, anybody ever been to St. Louis? Anybody? few of us here? Awesome. Yeah, great. So you know, St. Louis has a metro area, and it's a bi-state area, and so that river divides us, and so what St. Louis did is kind of drew a circle, and it takes in what's called the metro east, the furthest west point of Illinois, the metro east. So if you draw a circle and come across the river, we exist right there in the metro east, and so it's here in Belleville that we planted Redemption Community Church. Uh, We're a young church. We're very young. We launched in October of 2018, so we're about 15 months old, so this baby's still in diapers, okay? We're a very, very young church, but God's good hand is upon us, and uh, he's bringing us, folks. Our church is growing, and uh, we have, uh, as of just a few months ago, secured a permanent location in our city. And so as you begin to learn more about the city of Belleville and you begin learning more about who we are as a church, you're going to find that to be pretty shocking, that God has brought all of this together in a situation that really shouldn't have lent itself for it. So the Lord has shown up in a mighty way, which is, uh, man, it's just a huge testimony. So what I... What my heart desires is that I would be able to sit with each one of you over a cup of coffee and tell you the ins and the outs of all that God is doing in Belleville, about all that God has done to bless our ministry efforts. But the reality is we don't have time for that. So what I hope to accomplish today is to give you a snapshot. I want to give you a framework. I'm hoping that this framework will help you. It will serve you to get a better idea of who I am Because in large part, it's not just the work, it's not just the mission, it's also the missionary, right? We want to make sure there's chemistry that we we like each other. And so I want to give you a snapshot of who I am, my heart for the gospel work that I'm a part of. I also hope to give you a better picture of the context, the community that I'm a part of, in hopes that the Lord would stir your heart for my city too. Now, wouldn't that be something as a result of our time together this morning? that you would leave with a a burden for a group of people you've never met. And finally, what I want to do is share some exciting ministry opportunities that the Lord has laid out before us in the city of Belleville. And so hopefully, by the end of our time together this morning, you will have a a good snapshot to work with. And look forward to being able to spend some time with you, answer questions you might have, and just to continue the dialogue. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the city of Belleville. So again, located in the Metro East, Belleville is a really unique town. It's 200 years old. It's one of the oldest cities uh, in the Metro East. Uh, It has uh, the largest city south of the capital. It has the second largest high school in the state outside of Chicago. And so it's a really unique town. 50,000 people laid out over 26 square miles. So if you want to go from far east to far west, it's going to take you a little bit. It's the longest main street in America. It's a really, really cool town. Predominantly blue collar, a lot of factory work, and it has been known to be largely Catholic. Um, So Belleville is unique in this. It is one of the only cities in America that is in the suburb of another major city that has its own Catholic diocese. So Belleville, 50,000 people, has its own Catholic diocese. It has its own Catholic cathedral. 17 active Catholic parishes, multiple Catholic schools. In the 1950s, 87% of Belleville was practicing Catholic. 
87%. And it has been on steep decline ever since. And so in the last 50 years, they've seen a massive decline to where as of recently, only 17% of the people in my city claim to be active Catholic. Now, couple that with 17% who also claim to be active Protestant. And so you have this duality going on, and the rest of the people would claim no religious affiliation at all. None. Which means you have 25 to 35,000 lost and de-churched people in one city. Can you wrap your head around that this morning? 25 to 35,000 lost people in 26 square miles. The Lord just drew a box around them, said, here they are, lost. It's incredible. Belleville is a town that I love deeply because it's unique no matter where you go in the city. Because it's so large, it's laid out in four zip codes. And each zip code kind of functions like its own community, all right? So each one has its own distinct uh, kind of cultural characteristics, unique schools, history to it. And so four zip codes make up this entire city. And no matter which one you go to, you'll find some unique neighborhoods there as well. We're the newest Southern Baptist church plant in the city of Belleville. One was planted five years ago and it failed. There's not been a Southern Baptist church that's planted another Southern Baptist church in the city of Belleville uh, since 1967. There are very few active evangelical churches in my city. And so there's a reality that among all these thousands of people that used to be Catholic, who are no longer Catholic, who don't even identify themselves as culturally Catholic, just have no interest in the things of God. They have no interest in church. That under religious classification, they would say none. And so how is it you have multiple cultures spread out over an entire city where the vast majority of people have zero interest in religion? It's very simple. Distrust. We'd be kidding ourselves if we sat here today and pretended like Christianity is not without its scandals and its issues. But my city has been hit in a big way. And because we have small ears, I'm going to try to frame this in a way that will speak to a sensitive audience. In the last couple of years, our local newspaper wrote and produced a story that named 20 Catholic deacons in a scandal that lasted over 40 years of abuse. So when we look at the city of Belleville and we think, 35,000 people have no interest in the things of God. Does it begin to make sense to you, yes or no? Because there's tremendous distrust. There's tremendous distrust. The city's changing demographically. We're about 30% African American now, which is phenomenal. We love the diversity of that, but that's created some issues within our town. So we're not racially reconciled. Economically, we're struggling. Our city's broke. A lot of our jobs have left. We're an old city, 200 years old, so we don't have new developments springing up all around. We don't have new factories. We don't have new businesses. And so it's just, it could be kind of a hard city to grow up in and be raised in. From a political standpoint, and we're not drawing distinctions here, but just to create clarity, it's a highly liberal, highly union-driven town. And so jobs and work can be tumultuous in that city. It's just a difficult town. 
that absolutely needs the gospel. You see, that's what I saw is I began to look over the list of all the problems that existed in the town, all the challenges, all the unique efforts, all the lack of evangelicism taking place. I looked over that entire list and said, this is actually the perfect storm for gospel work. Because the vast majority of people are just existing every day in broken lives and broken marriages, struggling with no clarity for their purpose. I'll take that any day than a group of people who they don't have any problems, they don't have any wants, they don't have any needs. So why would I need Jesus? These people need Jesus. And I would even go so far to say they're open to hearing about Jesus. They just distrust the people wanting to tell them about him. And so that has presented a lot of challenges for us as a church. Does that give you kind of a snapshot of Belleville? Kind of a framework? So when the Lord called us to Belleville, we were stirred deeply because we fell in love with the city. It's got a charming downtown area, the streetlights hanging and old theaters. And I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff. And there's a resurgence happening. There's some really cool stuff, renaissance taking place in some of the historical parts. I would love for you to, I'd love to fill up a van full of you and just drive you around all day and showing you all the cool things there is in my city. Because there's some neat things happening. Young people are looking at the city going, man, we, we need something going on here. And we felt the same thing. We just didn't think new businesses uh, was the exact thing that this city needed. We thought it needed new churches. But with a very specific strategy. And so we prayed about that for a long time. And the Lord called us to that city years ago, but took us on a very long journey to get us to a place where we could plant. And that's, that's another story for another day. But we began praying about, Lord, what would you stir in us for our city? What do we do? How, how do we show up at, a, at an immediate disadvantage? Where I, I want to get to know you. I want to be a part of your life. And you immediately distrust me. What do I do with that? A town where being neighborly isn't easy. Where people go into their homes. I mean, I... I don't know how many times I've taken trash cans out or have walked out to get something out of my car because I'm stalking neighbors through my window. So I see them going out, and I'm like, oh, I better, I better go. So I, I run outside to go, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm a neighbor. I just want to introduce myself. And they're just, okay. And they <laughs> right back inside, right back inside the house. So it's been really, really challenging to get to know people because folks are just distrusting, standoffish, cold. So we began praying about that. And the Lord was very clear about how we are to move forward. And I want to share with you from Acts chapter 16. I hadn't read Acts in a long time. And we were praying. Said, Lord, would you just reveal how, how we should plant this church? What should we be focused on? What do we do? What kind of cool strategy? What kind of cool outreach program? What kind of cool club should we start? What's something fresh, new, exciting that will get their attention? Because if we can get their attention, maybe we can earn their trust. I mean, we are, well, look, look at me, well-intended, good hearts, but just way off base. And the Lord revealed to us, Acts 16, starting in verse 6, as they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, verse 6, they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, verse 7, 
when they came to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Isn't that simple? It's profoundly simple, isn't it? But very complex. Because what happens is we, we see a passage like that and we go, well, duh, yes, that's what we do. And then we want to create a cool pathway and a program and a strategy on how we're going to preach the gospel to them. But the Lord made it very clear, that's not what I'm calling you to. What I'm asking you to do is go commit yourself to a group of people and just be willing to preach the gospel to them. And I'll take care of the rest. Well, Lord, that's not, that's, that's not an effective strategy. <laughs> and the Lord really pushed back on that and said, yeah, yeah, it is. It is an effective strategy. And so we concluded what we wanted to do was be a church, a group of people, that were willing to preach the gospel. The challenge of preaching the gospel consistently is you can't be fly by night. You can't uh, start one thing and not finish. You can't move around. You can't have multiple targets. What you need to be able to preach the gospel to a group of people who have high distrust is you have to have consistency and faithfulness. And that's what you needed. And so the, what we concluded, the, the Lord was calling us to go to Belleville to preach the gospel in a consistent and faithful way. So looking across the city, we began to examine the patterns and behaviors of people that we could relate to, capitalize on, in order to share the gospel consistently and faithfully. And here's what we noticed in this resurgence taking place in our city. See, it used to be Belleville, four communities, right, four zip codes, laid out 26 square miles. What every neighborhood, and I mean every neighborhood had, was an elementary school, a local parish, and a local pub, a bar. And this was the center of life. You went to work at a factory or a blue-collar gig, or maybe you worked in St. Louis. You came home, you met your buddies at the bar, and then you went to mass on Sunday. And your kids would walk to elementary school right there in the neighborhood. This was the makeup of each neighborhood. Everybody got a visual of that? You tracking with me this morning? Okay, that, so that, that, was the, that was the neighborhood pattern. And if you drive through Belleville, what you'll find in multiple neighborhoods is that exact thing still existing today with the exception of all the neighborhood schools. The largest school district is District 118. They got multiple elementary schools in neighborhoods. Today, parents are still walking their kids to school. Anybody walk to school? A few of you? Some of you are like, back in my day, we walked to school uphill both ways in the snow without shoes, you know? Nowadays, you get picked up, you get dropped off. But in my neighborhood, this kind of, this blew my mind as I'm leaving and I'm watching parents walk their kids to school. It's like, man, this, who does that anymore? And so the neighborhoods are being revived through the elementary school. And so they're sinking dollars and good administrators and good teachers. People are moving into neighborhoods. They're walking their kids to school. New bars are opening up left and right. Buying up old buildings, turning them, the old saloons into new bars. But you know the one thing I didn't see was the local parish. Belleville used to have 25 to 30 athletic, active Catholic parishes. That's down to 17. So buildings are sitting empty, churches are closing. And so I said, okay, hey, hang on a second. These neighborhoods have revived schools, revived bars, but, but no revived churches. Well, I think we can do something about that. 
So we began praying, and the Lord said, what I want you to do is to be a neighborhood church. We want you to be a neighborhood church. We don't want you to be a regional church. We've got plenty of regional churches in the area. We need you to be a neighborhood church. And so what we concluded was God was calling us to go preach the gospel to a specific group of people over a long period of time with the hopes of earning their trust. So as we plant a neighborhood church, we'll have buy-in enough with the people that we can say, we'd love for you to come and join us on a Sunday. But in order for that to happen, we're gonna have to serve you in ways that earn your trust. So how do we do that? So strategically, there's a couple things we can do with that by being a neighborhood church. One is through the local school, right? We partner with the local school. Now, here's the, here's the challenge and the beauty of Belleville. Because it is politically very liberal, there's a disdain for churches being involved in the local school. And I don't know if that's, if that's a, a cultural situation you can relate to here, but that's where we're at. And so when the church shows up, wants to help, there's a, a, a phone call, a lawyer. It's a thing. It's a thing. The problem is Illinois is broke. I mean broke. And so all the money earmarked for local schools, it ain't coming. And so they're in debt. They can't pay their teachers. They can't buy the stuff they need. They're hurting. And so we found one elementary school where we came alongside and said, we get it. We just, we just want to help. What do you need? What do you need? And at first it started out with, well, it'd be kind of cool to do a back to school thing. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I said, how about we get some volunteers? We'll show up back to school day. We'll line up some bubble machines. Get everybody dressed out. It's going to have a lot of fun. Loud music bumping. Kids are getting off the bus. Kids walking. We'll just high five kids. Welcome a great day. And then we'll have a bunch of Dairy Queen coupons donated. How does that sound? You can be wearing like shirts with your church name on it. Not if you don't want us to. We're okay with that. All right, fine. <laughs> That's fine. So we did it first day. And it was great. Parents were like, man, who are these folks? That's a local church. Oh, okay. L- little suspicion. And so over time, we began doing more and more. We started taking care of their assemblies. We started providing all the stuff for their in-service days. We started providing teachers. Came Christmas time. We bought every teacher and faculty member a gift for Christmas. That had never happened in that school's history. We just started doing everything we can to love that school. And now, after launching, we met in that school for several months, outgrew that space. The principal and his wife attend our church. We're actively involved with a mentorship and a feeding program. All because we earned trust. Now we've got two other schools we're trying to do the same thing in right now, trying to earn trust. And now we've got a principal who says, no, these guys are legit. They're, they're the real deal. So now we have him on our side. So then we get a phone call, said, hey, we'd like you and some other pastors to come meet some principals, administrators. We just want to get everybody in a room so we can talk about this. I said, great. So we showed up. There were six pastors and like 30 principals and administrators. The church did not show up for this. And I'm thinking, that's great for me, man. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so we just started talking to all these different principals and administrators and saying, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Well, we could use a washing machine and man, we could use new gym clothes for some kids and we could use this. Nope, I'm just making a list and we're gonna buy that. We're gonna buy, I felt like Oprah, you know? You get a washing machine, you get a washing machine. I mean, it was awesome. 
And now we've got all these relationships with these teachers and administrators and principals that look at us as friends and not enemies anymore, which is phenomenal. So partnering through the local school has helped us identify. Second is we knew we wanted to be a neighborhood church. And so, yeah, we've got the neighborhood school, but that pulls from a lot of different neighborhoods for that specific school. So what we wanted to do was to draw a circle. So we drew a circle around all these streets and homes and neighborhoods. And we said, that is our region of accountability. That's our ROA. That's, this is the group of people that we are committing to before Jesus. So we're going to own the lostness that exists here. We're going to own it. So we drew that circle. And we launched a gospel saturation initiative called Everyone Hears, where we spent the better part of the last eight months dividing up streets and homes. This is a little creepy, but it's kind of cool. Uh, you can buy market research data that gives you the name of every person that lives in a home at a specific address. It's a little creepy, but we went ahead and bought it. Uh, and we... Uh, and we asked our people to commit to streets and names of, of homes and, and families and to start prayer walking their houses. And so every once in a while, we get a story of like, somebody will get stopped like, hey, I see you every week walking up down my street. What are you doing up here? You know, so I'm just praying for homes and stuff. Okay. <laughs> it's super weird, you know. You're not stealing anything out of cars, are you? No, man, we're just, we're just praying. Okay, that's fine. Every once in a while, you'll see something like, I'm a part of a couple of neighborhood Facebook crime pages, you know, and you'll see like, there's a group of people walking down the street praying, lock your doors. You'll see it, you know. It just cracks me up. We're not, we're not, gonna, we're not Mormons. We're not going to try to knock on your door and bug you. We just want to pray. The idea was, the idea was we want to share the gospel with you, but what if we spent more time talking to Jesus about these people before we talk to these people about Jesus? So we started praying. And it's been amazing to have 80 folks in our church commit to prayer walking and praying for people in our ROA. Now the next phase is we start serving them. We just start showing up, food distributions, block parties, medical drives, whatever they need. We wanna show up and, and help. We're gonna purchase a couple billboards in the area with distinct dates where you can come and receive medical care, you can receive food, backpacks, whatever you need. We just wanna help, we just wanna love you, we wanna earn your trust. And we're not going anywhere. We're gonna be here for a long time. And so ever how long it takes, we'll do that. And so this, this is strategically how the Lord has called us to just preach the gospel, was to first preach it by living lives that are worthy of it. And so hopefully over time, we're gonna be earning the trust of people. And we already, uh, we already are. The Lord's blessing that effort in a big, big way in a big way, so much so that the last couple of months we actually merged with a, a smaller sister church that was on the verge of struggling and, and closing and just in a, they were in a, a, rough, a rough place and their pastor was leaving for the mission field. So they came to us and said, hey, we've got a building, you have a congregation, why don't we come together? And so now we're moving into a permanent location and wouldn't you know it, that that building is right in the center of our ROA. Isn't that weird? Wouldn't you know it? And so now we're legitimized because we're not the weirdos who meet at the Y anymore because that's what they call us. Look, when you're a church plant in a highly Catholic area meeting at a, at a YMCA, you're a cult. I'm just letting you know right now. You know, they come in, they see the drums, they see, uh, okay, weirdos. Yeah, they know exactly. But now we have a building and because we have a building, we're legitimate now. That's how it is. Nobody in Belleville's coming to your house for Bible study. You're not just gonna... 
invite your neighbors over for a bite. No one's coming into, like, I'm not coming into your basement to get murdered. That's not happening. And that's exactly how it is. But, hey, you want to, we're doing this event at our building. You want to come? Yeah, maybe. Unless something else comes up, I'll come. And so now we've got these neighborhoods, we've got these streets, we've got our ROA, we're prayer walking, we're witnessing, we're taking care of needs, we're investing. We've got one neighborhood, Dawn Heights, it's predominantly African-American, it's uh, highly at risk, it's very economically disadvantaged. A lot of fatherlessness, a lot of kids just staying at home, especially during the summertime. Kids are just out in the street doing nothing. That's like something out of a movie. And so we said, we can take care of that. Let's do some sports clubs this summer. Let's get those kids something to do other than breaking stuff in the park all summer long. Let's give them something to do. Let's build some relationships. Let's feed them. So we already do a food distribution in two neighborhoods. Let's add a third one this summer. Just, look, it's, it's not rocket science. This isn't, I'm not writing a book about this. It's just committing to a group of people over a long period of time, concluding that what they need is the gospel. That's all they need. And just somebody to love them. Somebody to love them. So I want to share with you a couple of stories of how God is blessed. And, and the building is cool, but that's not my favorite story. My favorite story is when we, when we began thinking about doing the ROA and, and gospel saturation through prayer, we began praying about that, asking the Lord what might he do with this. And we had a new couple attending our church. And so I said, hey, let's grab coffee. We meet a local coffee shop. It's the hipster coffee shop in town. Super weird. It's super like very hipster, but that's where everybody goes. So we go and hang out. I'm the least hipster person on the planet. So those places just make me really uncomfortable. So I just go and I'm hanging out and I'm talking to this young couple. And, I, and I'm already got like this kind of, man, people that go to these places are just a little strange. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm sitting here having this conversation, and we're just looking at each other. But off in the distance, there's a lady and her husband and her kids kind of standing there staring right at me while I'm having a conversation. I can see this. I'm just looking right here. We're just talking, like, oh, tell me about your family. How you liking the church? How you liking the church? And, like, why, why is this lady staring at me? This is making me very uncomfortable. Eventually, it gets so bad, she's, like, she's creeping toward me. And, I'm, and I just said, hang on a second. Can I help you? And she said, is your name Mike? And I said, that depends, you know, like instantly, you know, uh, that depends. Talk about high distrust, you know what I'm saying? Um, and she said, well, I, I'm asking, because I want, are you connected to that new church that's meeting in this school up here? I said, yeah, I'm one of the pastors. She said, I, I recognized you from Facebook. Super weird. Um, and she said, but I've been meaning to talk to you. And I just saw you here tonight. I thought this is a good opportunity. I said, okay, I'm in the middle of something. Can I wait a few minutes? Absolutely. So we finished up probably quicker than I wanted to, but I, I'm really curious now, you know. So uh, we sit down and she said, um, my brother-in-law is a church planter in a town not too far. And I'm like, okay, now we're connecting the dots. It makes sense. We're part of the same network. He's a NAM planter. Okay. And she said, but I've got a really good friend named Jackie who lives in your neighborhood, who has gone through a, a a very difficult separation from an abusive husband who has a daughter with special needs and she is just hurting and lonely and hasn't been to church in, in two years. And I've, I've told her she needs to go to your church. Will you just pray for Jackie? And I said, yeah. I said, do you, do you know what street she lives on? And I said, yeah. So I wrote down Forest Dash Jackie. That's all I had. 
And I tried to be intentional with that, but every once in a while when I'm driving home or coming through the neighborhood, I would come down Forest and just say, I don't know what house, Lord, I don't know who she is, but you know her, Jesus, and just if we can serve her, just make it clear, make it clear. And did that for a couple months. And so as a new church plant, we were, we're trying to always think of new ways to meet new people, especially in places where folks just don't, they just want to stand around and chit-chat and visit, you know. So we, we did a thing called a newcomer's coffee. So if you're new to our church, come early. We'll meet in the cafeteria, uh, and we'll give out coffee and get to know you, answer questions you have about the church. And so we had three or four folks come, and I was like, okay, this is great, man. It's momentum, and this is uh, about month two of our launch, and so we're getting to know these folks. And I'm looking out the window, and, and here comes this lady in super late uh, with her daughter, and uh, somebody walks out to, to say, hey, are you, are you here? First? She's like, yeah, I saw the event on Facebook. I wanted to come in. I just wanted to meet you guys, get to know you. I said, okay. So she comes in, and uh, her daughter's in a wheelchair, and, and uh, she's got a really cool British accent. And, I'm, and so like, I, I'm not even listening to what she's saying. I'm so enamored by her British accent, you know? Like everything she says is amazing. Um, and, and, I, and I just said, I, well, I'm really glad you're here. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors. What's your name? She said, my name is Jackie. <laughs> I said, hang on a second. This is going to be really uncomfortable, but I just, do you live on forest? She said, I do. Okay, I said, do you have a friend named Anna? She said, yeah, I do. I said, Jackie, I've been praying that you would come to our church for like the last four months. I said, what brought you here this morning? She said, well, I woke up, I couldn't sleep. I was scrolling Facebook and this paid ad for a newcomer's coffee came up. And uh, she said, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm just going to give it a shot. And so I came today. I said, Jackie, you have no idea how much the Lord wanted you here this morning. And Jackie has not missed a Sunday since. She is very involved in our church. She's a good, godly woman who just shows Jesus in a big way. And I thought, we didn't have an effective strategy (laughs) We didn't have this cool campaign. We just invited folks in our neighborhood on Facebook to come have coffee. And we prayed. And the Lord brought that day exactly who was supposed to be there that day. Isn't that amazing? What a neat story. Second story I want to share with you, and this will be my last story, is I'm very active in my neighborhood. I live in one of the historic neighborhoods of Belleville. And there's a lot of folks who love that historic area and very proud of it. It's like the crown jewel, you know. I said, I want to get to know some of these people. But I don't, I'm not sure quite how best to do that. So I got a, another guy on our team um, that lives at the other end of my street. I said, hey, why don't we do a progressive dinner? You guys know what a progressive dinner is? You know, you start, you start at one place and you move to the next one having different meals. See, I can say progressive dinner in the south and you totally get it. When I say progressive dinner up north, that's a whole different thing. I mean, it's a whole different thing. You know what I'm saying? So I said, let's, let's throw a progressive dinner. We'll just, we'll just invite the whole neighborhood. And you host dinner and I'll host dessert. Not inside my house, but I have a double lot. So I said on my, on my side yard, I'll build a cool canopy. We'll have dessert tables out. It'll be real chill. People can come and go, do whatever. So let's, let's do a progressive dinner. So we started advertising it, started pushing it. People, you know, interested, interested, interested. Might come, might come. I thought, man, nobody's coming to this. This was dumb. Why'd we do this? This was super dumb. And then the day came. I'm outside, sweating, putting up this cool canopy with the lights and trying to make it look really neat. And then that night, we had like 75 people from our neighborhood come stand in my yard 
to have dessert. And I'm talking to people, and they're like, well, what do you do? <laughs> I said, well, uh, I'm a pastor. Okay. All right. All right. And then we just mosey away and go talk to somebody else. Like, oh, geez, you know, I, I don't know. I work for a nonprofit. What am I supposed to say, you know? Um, but during that night, we started really getting to know people, started asking questions, trying to ask more questions than I was asked. And in that crowd, we had a same-sex married couple who just bought a house down the road. We had a Hindu family. We had a Buddhist family, atheists, former Catholics, and, and folks that were pseudo, we would kind of go to a Baptist church sometimes sort of deal, you know? Like th- this was the group of people. I'm, t- I'm like, tell me, about your fa- tell me about your background. And this is the group of people I'm standing in right now and thought, this is my city. These are my people. This is who I need to love. So then six months later, we do another progressive dinner. Had even more people come. And one of the families that was a part of the, joining the first one, wanted to host the appetizer. And so we're all over at their house, and now, now they're a part of it. And now everyone's like, when are we doing the next one? They're like, let's do, a, let's do a 4th of July cookout in the park, you know? And like they, look here, they're hungry for community. They're hungry for it. We didn't have to bring them to our building for it. We didn't have to have a cool program. We just invited people to come stand in our yard and eat cheesecake. And it works. So this is what the Lord's called us to, to be a neighborhood church committed to a group of people over the long period of time, concluding that we need to preach the gospel to them. But the Lord has given us a much bigger vision than that because here's the thing. I still can't be okay with twenty five to 35,000 lost and de-church people. That bugs me every night. That, that number is just too high. I feel responsible for that. I feel responsible like I need to do something. So what we asked the Lord to do was to plant not just one neighborhood church, but four neighborhood churches over the next eight years. Lord, let us put one neighborhood church in every zip code. Is that crazy, Lord, to ask that? Is that crazy, Lord, to think you would train up a guy that we could send out with a group of people and we could have Redemption Central, Redemption East, Redemption South, Redemption North? Would that be too crazy, Lord? to just have a group of people committed to local elementary schools, gospel saturation, neighborhoods. And then we met our first planter. And he goes to assessment in March. And in 12 to 16 months, we're going to launch our next gathering. And we're 15 months old. We don't even know what we're doing yet. And we're about to start another church having no idea how that's going to work or what we're doing. And I mean, we're, we're drinking from fire hoses right now, trying to learn models and what to do, what not to do. But I really think at the end of the day, it's this simple. If there's a group of people willing to commit to another group of people over a long period of time to earn their trust, concluding preaching the gospel to them is the most effective strategy, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. So that's what we're doing. And the Lord is blessing us in that. It's nuts. It is absolutely nuts. And there's a lot of things we don't have, a lot of issues and stuff, problems. There's all, always stuff like that going on in the life of our church. But I believe the Lord has a very bright future for Redemption Community Church reaching a city that is very lost and very hurting and longing for community. And so I don't know what's going to happen in the next eight years. I don't know what those numbers are going to look like. All I know is that by God's good grace and his favor upon us, 
we'll have four neighborhood churches committed to four neighborhoods for the long haul. That's the thing I would ask you to be praying for. That I would covet your prayers knowing that there's a group of people here saying, we will first and foremost pray that the Lord will bless that. That we will commit to, we'll put it on our calendar, we'll put it in our phones, we'll put it on our fridge, we'll put it in our Bibles, and we will pray. We will pray Acts 16, we'll say, man, we'll pray Psalm 111.9. We'll pray, asking the Lord to provide that. The second thing I would ask you to do is come. Come to Belleville. Come and spend some time with me. Let me show you around. Let me show you what I see. And then let me, let me see what you think. And then maybe, I want you got earmuffs for just a second. Maybe, just maybe, if the Lord moves, you might, you might move to Belleville. We'll talk about who. Like an, we'll do like an NFL draft. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, yeah. Um, but maybe the Lord stirs in your heart and you think, I've been thinking about church planting for a while. Maybe this, maybe this is something I need to have a serious conversation about. Now, I can offer you a very attractive package. You ready? No guarantee of job or housing or any money at all. So there'll be a sign-up sheet in the back <laughs> if you're interested. Look, you gotta be slightly crazy to plant a church. That's bottom line. So if you're slightly crazy and willing to take risks, I'd love to talk to you about that. And the last thing is I would just have you really be praying about what gospel partnership looks like here. I believe the Lord has led us together in a very sovereign way. And so I, as we discern this over the next few days together, I would just ask you to be praying. I hope you're encouraged this morning. I hope as you look upon your life and you think, man, I just don't see God working. I just feel like my faith is stale. I pray that you are encouraged this morning to be reminded that God is alive and well and he is sovereignly building his church all across the globe, not just here, but in the metro east of St. Louis as well. I'm gonna pray over our time together. I'm going to ask Pastor Mike's going to come and he's going to help continue this conversation and call you to a place of action today. Father, I, I thank you so much for my new friends. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for the hospitality that they have shown. Um, Lord, this group has been just such a blessing to me, even this morning. Father, I'm asking you to move in the life of this church to stir in them a heart for you, Lord, a passion for your word and the gospel, for their affections to be stirred toward the work that you're doing, not just here, but across the world. And God, if that affection would be drawn, if the light would be shown, if their eyes would be redirected to the city of Belleville, Lord, that's your city, it's not mine. You've been there long before I was and you'll be there long after I'm gone. But Father, would you help stir their hearts for prayer, for partnership? Would you stir the hearts of someone here, even this morning, Lord, who might want to come and have a conversation about planting, to take a risk for you, Lord? Stir in their hearts a deep love for you, Jesus, that their faith, if it's stale or if it's cold this morning, would be revived and refreshed and made anew, and they would be encouraged by what you're doing. 
Jesus, I thank you for this time together. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.